Good morning, Life Church. How are we all doing today? Good. Well, uh, thank you for that amazing introduction. If you don't know me, my name is Elijah. Uh, I serve as a youth leader in the, our amazing youth group, The Outlet. Uh, I'm also a guitar player on our worship team. I'm the one you see in the background with the acoustic guitar, jumping up and down every time the Holy Spirit really gets moving in here. And uh, today I have, uh, like Pastor Yanni said, I have the privilege of getting to bring you guys the word this morning. And uh, before I do that, I do want to give a quick shout out and a thank you to our amazing youth pastor, Danny Saltzman. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, like you said, a few years ago, I, if you would have told me I would have been standing up here, I would have probably laughed at you, and uh, he really helped pave the way for me to be where I am. He's the one that uh, gave me guitar lessons way back in the day. I'm so sorry that you just had to hear an 18-year-old say the phrase, back in the day. Um, <laughs> but he did, and he's also the one that took a chance on me uh, by allowing me to serve as a youth leader, and uh, I would not be here where, where I am without Pastor Danny, so thank you so much. Now, if you guys have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Genesis chapter 22. And while you're turning there, I'd like to ask you guys a question. I'm not going to call on you or ask you to raise your hands or do anything crazy like that. I just want you guys to have this question uh, in, your, in the back of your minds throughout our time together this morning. And it's simply this. Uh, has God ever asked you to do a hard thing? I, I think uh, a lot of us, like, the answer is Yes. And if the answer is yes, then how did you respond to that hard thing? Did you do it? If you didn't do it, do you wish that you had done it? Have you played a million different scenarios in your head going through what might have happened if you did or anything like that? And I think we can all relate to struggling to do hard things that God has asked us to do from time to time. And that's exactly why we call them hard things, because we struggle. And I think in today's world, we live in a society that tells us to run away from hard things and hardship and to go where it's easy and we have security and there's comfort because who doesn't like to be comfortable? And today in our scripture reading, we're going to learn a bit about a man who knows exactly what it's like uh, to do a hard thing and the hard thing that God asked him to do. And I'd like to share with you three lessons that I think we can learn from this hard man. So uh, to begin, let's read uh, the first two verses the first two verses of Genesis chapter 22. In verse 1, it says this. So sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, to understand why this was such a hard thing to do, and such a significant moment, I think we need to understand some of the context surrounding this situation. Now, if, if you read about Abraham's life in the Bible, uh, Abraham is promised to be the father of many generations. And one of his greatest desires was to be a father. He was married to a woman named Sarah, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, and Sarah became pregnant, and she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy, and his name was Isaac, and everything was great until this Right off the bat, Abraham's hard thing is asked to give up a literal gift from God in every sense of the word. And that brings us to our first uh, lesson, which is uh, to put God first. If you take notes, I'll have three lessons for you, and that's our first lesson. Um, like Pastor Yanni said, uh, I'm going to go a little bit off track, but like Pastor Yanni said earlier, 
in a few months, I'm going to be starting college at Light Pacific University. And thank you. <laughs> and I applied a few, a few years ago. Thank you so much. <laughs> a few years ago, I applied there because I had heard some, of some Foursquare pastors that had done pretty good for themselves. And I heard God tell me that I um, was going to be a pastor. So I applied there. I got in. And the biggest, like, dilemma surrounding this whole situation was deciding whether or not I was going to commute there, uh, do online classes, or stay home. So I spent a lot of time in prayer, and I was like, God, what would you like me to do? If you want me to go, I'll go. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. I'll do online classes. I'll do whatever you would like me to do. But can I tell you guys a secret? I knew what I already wanted God to tell me to do. Because, unfortunately, at the time... I was thinking, you know, maybe I know better than God. Maybe what I want is better than his plan for me. That's not true. Don't listen to that. <laughs> so uh, a few months ago, we did a winter camp at uh, Camp Cedarcrest. And uh, during a time of worship on the second night, they always get you during the second night, um, we um, had spent some time praying with each other. And I remember very clearly... Um, the biggest thing going into the camp was deciding whether it was making that huge decision. And that second night, I asked God, what is it that you would like me to do? And I was trying my best to put my own, um, you know, childish desires aside. And he told me very clearly, if this is what you're going to do, then you need to leave. My hard thing was to leave the comfort and security of my church, my family, my friends, and to go off into ministry training in San Dimas, about an hour and a half away. Now, Abraham's hard thing is a little bit different than moving away from home. <laughs> but I think something really important we can see from Abraham right off the bat is he knew what his priorities were. As a matter of fact, there's not even a verse that says that he was struggling with the idea of disobeying God. In verse 3, it says this, it says, the next morning Abraham got up early, he saddled his donkey, and took two of his servants with them along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped up some wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. In the very next verse, it says that Abraham was ready to go. He was like, okay, God, if you're telling me to do this, I'm going to do it. Because your ways and your will is greater than anything I could ever imagine for myself. Because he was smart enough to understand that he wasn't going to debate with the creator of the actual universe. I only wish I could have been like that going into Cedar Crest. <laughs> so we keep reading, and it says this in verse 4. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with, this, uh, with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. The two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father. <laughs> yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And when they arrived to the place where God had told them about Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then just as he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood, Abraham picked up a knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Which brings us to our second lesson. And I promise 
I'm trying not to sound judgmental here, but it's put your money where your mouth is. Earlier I asked you um, what might have happened if you didn't do the thing that God has asked you to do. And I promise I'm not going to call on anyone. But that we need to realize that there are consequences for the decisions that we make. Abraham was ready to go. I haven't officially moved in on campus yet. But one of the things that we need to realize is that we need to understand what our priorities are. What are your priorities? Are they God-filled? Are they of the world? Have you debated on things that maybe God has asked you to do? Are you still struggling with that? What are your priorities? I think that's an enormous thing that we can pray on. Because if we lean on God's will and understanding, I know I keep saying this, but his wills are so much greater than anything that we could ever understand. I think that's insanely important. And all over scripture, we can find verses that tell us to put our money where our mouth is. In Matthew uh, 5, verse 37, it says this, just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is a lie from the evil one. In Isaiah 29, 13, it says, don't give vain worship. And so the Lord says, these people they say are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4 says this, When you make a vow to God, do not delay in keeping it. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through, for God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. Keep your money where your mouth is. Follow through on things that God has asked you to do, especially if you tell him you're going to do it. If you don't, you will suffer greatly. Oh, man. And one more scripture aside from Abraham that I'd like to share with you in terms of putting your money where your mouth is is actually a parable uh, that Jesus tells. In Matthew 21, uh, 28 through 32, it says this. Uh, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the, the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Now I might actually call on someone. Which son do you guys think was right? That's okay. Okay, Marcus? The first one is right. Why? It's really funny when you look at it in the context of which Jesus says, because one of the things I love about Jesus is that his sarcasm is kind of like his sense of humor, and it's really hilarious. There's like a lot of comedy in the Bible. Um, but it's the first son because he followed through even though he said he wasn't going to do it. He followed through with an action. And one of the things I think is key is that our actions speak a lot louder than the words that we say. The second son said he wasn't, go he was going to do it. Like, I got you, pops. I got this. And then probably went to go play some video games or something. I don't know. Maybe play guitar. I like playing guitar. But the point is, his actions spoke louder than the vain worship that he gave his father. You know? 
So put your money where your mouth is. We keep reading in verse 11. Uh, it says this. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't you dare lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. Which brings us to our final point, and that is, the Lord provides lambs. What I love about being a follower of God is that in the midst of something that might seem hard, God will provide for you. One of, my, one of the cool things about my life is that my grandmother is actually a pastor, so I, and I live with her, so I've learned a lot uh, about uh, the Bible from her. And one of the things that she always tells me when I feel nervous about doing something like, I don't know, preaching a sermon for the first time before I go to college, <laughs> is that God will never call you for something that he hasn't already equipped you to do. If God calls you to do something, it's because he knows you can do it. It's because who, he knows who he made you to be. He knows what you're capable of. If God calls you into ministry and says, you know what, uh, blank person, the, you probably have a name. If I want you to be a pastor, it's probably because he knows you can do it and he will be with you through your ministry. But not just your ministry, but through everything that you do if you abide in the Lord. One of the key verses from our, um, I went to Desert Christian last year, and we had our student leadership team, and our SALT theme, so st student, and st student and leadership team, SALT, that was our team. The main verse for the year was John 15, 7 through 9, and uh, it talks about, um, you know, the vines and abiding in the Lord, and one of the verses, I think, that really gets taken out of context is that if we abide in the Lord, then he will give us the, our desires. And I think the reason that gets taken out of context is because we assume that that makes the Lord a genie in the bottle. But that's not the case at all. What that means is that when we abide in the Lord, then our desires will become his desires and his will for our life. And through those desires, God will provide for you if you abide in him. The Lord provided a lamb for Abraham at the last second right before he killed his son. Because Abraham knew that God had all the power. God had all the power to save his son. If we go back to verse 5, what I love that um, in this translation, it says different things in different translations, but it says, Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there, and we will come right back. We will come right back. As in plural, as in your, my son and I will both come back. So we can assume that maybe Abraham was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't be afraid to do something that God's telling me to do, because maybe God, since he promised me this son... Why would God fall short on his promises? Oh, wait, he doesn't do that because he loves us so much. 
God does not fall short on his promises. He provides lambs, and he calls us for what he, he knows what we can do. Amen, church? Man, he loves us so much. And one of the biggest reasons I love this story so much is that Abraham didn't go through with giving up his son. But we do know somebody else who did go through with giving up their son, and that was God. Because he looked at us and said, I know you guys are inherently sinful and you guys have evil-spirited hearts, but you know what? I love you so much to me. You're worth giving up my only son. He looked at us and said, we're worth it. Amen? Amen. So, as we wrap up, let's recap our three points. One, put God first. Is God your priority? Are you putting him first in your life? If not, some spirit, I mean, you can even be practicing some spiritual disciplines. Prins. Plins. Disciplines. Spend 15 minutes a day praying. Spend time in your word. Make God a priority, and he will provide for you. Which leads us into our second point. The Lord provides lambs. They, I think that's our second point. Nope, that's the second point. <laughs> yeah. The Lord will provide for you. He has not called you to do anything that he hasn't already equipped you to do because he loves you so much, and he knows you're capable We just need to abide in him. That was our third lesson. (laughs) The second one was put your money where your mouth is. So just pretend that I said that last. (laughs) If you say you're going to do something, follow through. Do it. It's true what they say. Your actions speak a lot louder than your words. Now, uh, if you're, with, if you're able, I'd like you to stand as we pray this prayer together. Just pray along with me. We don't have to repeat after me, but just pray along together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for loving us. Help us to put your ways above our own. Help us to follow through on our promises. Help us to be a blessing to others And thank you for providing the ultimate lamb. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.